Welcome to Talking In Stations, an EVE Online podcast. Today we have a bunch of news that we're going to cover that we've delayed since we were talking with CCP Security last week and getting an in-depth view of what uh, the banning situation was for bots and the account stealing and all that kind of stuff. And it was fascinating. So if you haven't seen that show, go back and check it out. It's definitely worth it. And we'll give you an update on team security in just a minute. Today, we're going to cover Burngita 5, which has just started this weekend as a surprise. And uh, we'll get the latest on that. We're also going to talk a little bit about Lawn History with their CEO. And in addition, we're going to cover everything that we missed before. And that would be the February changes. We're going to review those. And then we're going to talk about the March changes and preview those. Sit down, have a cup of coffee, and let's go into some EVE Online for this week. All right, first I'd like to say hi to my pal Tiberius. How's it going, buddy? Hey, buddy, I'm good. How are you? Hello, viewers. It's, uh, yeah, one of my, well, it's becoming a rarer, rarer visit these days. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's, so uh, it's, it's always good to be on the show, so I'm glad to see everyone back. Uh, Tiberius Stargazer, NC uh, Dice Corporation, uh, also do a bit of event here as well. That's right. And how are you doing, Carneros? Very good. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. All right, we're waiting on a couple of guests to come back. Here's one now, but we will start with um, the CEO of Lawn, and that is Duncan McLean. Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing today? It's nice to have you here. And uh, we have also moderator with us on screen. Glad to be here. Awesome. And Apple Pear, how are you? I'm doing good. Shooting a lot of things this weekend, so that's always good. Awesome. You'll bring us up to date on Burn G to 5. Uh, and joining us in a couple of minutes will be Jay Amazingness. I'll signal him when he gets here. Uh, I think he had to run out for a capital kill. Poor guy. <laughs> All right. Well, at least there'll be fresh news. So in other words, get your caps hidden up if you got them out of the moment. Yeah, no kidding. All right. The uh, first thing I want to talk about is the security update that came out. Um. So we had Team Security here talking about the importance of protecting your account. And it was fascinating because you could um, you could see the measure of the problem when you have so many dead accounts that came back to life when Eve became uh, more, more or less free to play, right? And that allowed all these accounts that were closed to be in a living state, which means they could be turned on uh, without any payment. And that means that all these accounts were able to be hacked by people that didn't own them. Uh, and people go in and just take all the wealth out of that account, meaning the skill points that were accrued over the years, all the ISK and the assets that were there, and just totally run off with them and sell them. Uh, and the reason that they could be hacked so easily is because most people keep the same password for all their internet stuff. So it created a huge problem, and you could see that, and that show covers that. But they did kind of release some statistics. Um, Carneros, do you want to look there and see what they who they zapped? Yeah, I'd be happy to to tell you. It, uh, what period of time is this that we're looking at? It's just February. Just February. Holy mm -hmm. cow. Okay. Wow. 1,882 bans, of which 896 of the bans were for account hijacking. Thank God. 511 bans were for macros or botting, so uh, input multiplexing or something like that. 253 bans were for RMT, which probably means they were selling, but might have mean they were mean they were buying on the black market. And there are 222 bans for other reasons by GMs, and that could be a number of things. It 
They couldn't determine the ownership of the account in a dispute. It, it could have been, uh, you know, uh, bad behavior. It could have been any number of things. Yeah. They didn't give us any explanation on those. Actually, that was just something I threw in there because it was what was left. You know, you had your total oh. bands and then you had your, you know, the security bands, basically. And they made a point to say during the last show that they're in charge of only certain types of bands. So you can also be banned for behavioral problems and stuff like that. And that, that could be what those were. Which is just the group right next to them where they're sitting. So it's not that <laughs> in your mind. Don't picture it as that separate. They're right next to each other. They don't have separate offices. They're all just at desks next to each other. Um, and the the bottings were a three day ban, uh, and they're not allowed to. And starting in March, they're not They're now ineligible for skill extraction permanently. After that, am I reading that right? Yeah. So what that means is, uh, Tiberius, do you know what that means? Uh, uh, he's busy right now, but I'll just take it. It's um, it used to be that if you got banned for three days, it was just a warning shot. Uh, and they let you extract skill points. So what botters would do is they just extract all the skill points from that character they got banned and run off and start a new character and put all the skill points into that. Uh, and so they were botting with those characters so they could make up the, the difference in losses anyway. So it was really not effective. And what they decided to do was say, you know what, that warning shot of three-day ban, you can't move your skill points over to some other account. And that should uh, cause a lot more pressure on people uh, not to do botting. Behind the scenes, they have a few flags like that. They can do can't extract skills. They can do can't be sold on the bazaar. They can do can't vote in the CSM elections. A few things like that because they have a few, they have a few special class accounts that are given to a journalist, for example, or uh, given to uh, CCP staff. CCP staff who are on unpaid accounts do not have the ability to vote in the CSM election. Whereas any paid accounts they have, they can vote with those. Oh, it's interesting. You know, I used to have a uh, Sony Online Entertainment uh, press account. <laughs> Very nice. It's probably yeah. still there somewhere. You just, you know. Uh, yeah, I think so. I haven't tried it in a while, but um, yeah. Okay, so the other thing is they are considering revising their... Section 18 of the EULA, which um, is basically the language that says you can't republish communication between you and a dev, and they're softening that a bit, it sounds like. I think a lot of people were concerned that it was, um, um, that they couldn't even publish what they would talk to to a dev in a benign way, uh, when CCP only meant it to prevent, um, you know, the, the CCP devs from having to think about what they're saying every time they're talking to somebody. So I, I think there was a, against them. I think there was a pretty good example of that quite recently where, uh, um, somebody's filed a support ticket and put a little RP in there. Um, you know, they did a little bit of role playing about how great their catalyst was and things like that. And, uh, it died valiantly fighting whatever scourge it was at the time. And can it be reimbursed? And, uh, the dev replied back RPing too, saying, unfortunately it could not. Um, and it was a really good response, and it got posted to Reddit. And the very first comment underneath it on Reddit was "in before ban." So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad they're doing that because it allows people just to share some of the fun stuff that that you just don't get to see anymore. That that kind of a a ticket coming into a customer service rep is actually a lot of fun for them. The ones the ones that 
uh, get that. Now they get to have a little fun with that ticket and it puts a little more energy back into the person before they go on to their next soul draining ticket. <laughs> like yeah. It must be such a thankless job. Like just all these tickets coming in and having to go through them over and over and over and over again. And then having uh, like one of the head GMs going, have you done your quota of tickets for the day and all this sort of stuff. So, you know, <laughs> Well, that's cool. Hopefully it uh, lends some levity and better communication between the uh, CCP and the players. And I think that's what the security team was trying to get across. They're going to be more open with things and uh, less threatening and that sort of thing. Okay. So that's the update on the security. Uh, I want to point out that uh, on INN, Matani wrote an article that was received quite well uh, in most corners. Some people thought it really resonated with them. And it was called the uh, EVE Online the Masks of Cyber Purgatory. So check that article out if you haven't seen it. I co-created it with him. Uh, and that was a product of something that we're doing at INN called the Writer's Workshop, where we get a couple of uh, creative people together to work together and create an article. But um, yeah, he wrote that. Uh, he's pretty happy with it. Uh, I think the reception was pretty amazing. It's gotten way more um, traffic than usual and stuff like that. So Check that out. Article by Matani. First time he's written in years. So I think that was a pretty good article. I mean, it hits home for a lot of the EVE players that are out there. So I think everybody adopts a version of their persona in line or online rather in life. And uh, I thought it was a really well done article. And I thought your artwork was spectacular. Thank you. Uh, to, to put some uh, TLDR on it, it's uh, basically an exploration of um, role playing and why Eve is so addictive and why we're, we're really like, we never walk away from it until we really walk away from it. And why we celebrate people that walk away and that sort of thing. So it's kind of like, uh, it's a bit of, of everything. Life cycle and Eve, it's about masks you wear, obviously. Uh, what kind of person you're pr pretending to be and is that really you? Or is that a mask you're putting on to pretend like something you can't do in real life? And so it explores all that stuff. It's worth your time to read. Uh, okay, so CSM rules changed, and Tiberius, what are they? What are they changing to? No idea. I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I better stop calling on people in class because Tiberius normally takes uh, uh, so much interest in CSM, uh, but now he's taking interest in Stellaris. I think. Yeah, sadly. And, at least until after Vanfest and some new stuffs come out for me to have a look at. Yeah, and so there we have um, basically. Applications open from March 19th to 23. That is a very short period. So applications that uh, need to get in in this very short period. Oh, wow, that is short. Time. Yeah, normally, yeah. They, uh, normally the application period's usually a few weeks. Um, yep. And voting like is condensed, optimized too. For what's the easiest to manage for the team. So they've made it a short period of time. They've made the rules very strict for you have to supply this information and you have to have you know, a copy of your passport or a copy of your application for your passport, or you have to do a couple things very, very crisply and cleanly right at the beginning. And if you screw up, you're not going to get a mulligan for it. You're not going to get a do-over. You, uh, uh, they've been in the past, they've bent over backwards for people. Mm, certainly, uh, I do know in the past where um, people have maybe had issues with documentation, like visas or passports or things like that, and they've really had struggled to get it through. Uh, a lot of the time, it's it's ended up on on CCP devs just like chasing. Well, have you got it in yet? 
can we close the application? What's going on? And it's, yeah, now that you've got essentially uh, Logibro is not there now, so it's CCP Guard, and that is basically the CSM rep now, I guess. The CCP. Falcon as well. But Falcon yeah, as well. It seems yes. like they're doing this to kind of curtail people who aren't really putting in the effort or who maybe don't have the documentation actually on hand. So yep. it takes effort off of their back. Also, they close the voting period, which I think is, you know, most votes come in the first day, second day, or last day. So you might as well condense all that middle time down. Um, so, yeah, condensed um, sign-up period, condensed voting period, and in between that, a longer campaigning period. So you know who's official and and stuff, uh, which is good. So they've turned eFanFest from the announcement of the new CSM into uh, sort of an extended uh, campaigning period. Because you won't hear until afterwards. Uh, and actually, there was yeah. one more thing that I didn't see in the document that I was kind of watching for. And I think it's still in the rules. I think they just didn't put it in this document. It's just in some other rules, which is um, you cannot run for CSM if you are a an employee of a competitive game company. Oh, yes. Okay. They put that one in. The silent rule. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't Scion. That was um, Keldum Ravon from Eve University Mm. because he he got elected and then he took a job at SOE working on Planetside 2 while they were working on Dust 514. They kind of took a deep breath at the point where they had to share Dust 514 information with them and then, you know, double-checked the... uh, uh, NDA agreements and said, okay, let's do this, but let's not do this anymore in the future. You're right. But Keldum is a gentleman. If you know him, you know he's he's not going to tell a secret. Yeah. Well, and that, so that's the CSM. So those rules have changed. Uh, and now we want to talk about Bernjita because that's yeah. the big news this weekend. All right, oh. Apple Pair, what's, what's going on with that? We're killing all the freighters and archives and jump freighters and other things that are in and around Jita. A uh, bit of a history, it's before I started really playing the game, but like this is the fifth Burn Gita. We have done Burn Amar and some other things in between, but this is the fifth Burn Gita. And uh, it's a weekend long, at least we hope we can make it the weekend. Uh, a weekend long of uh, 24-7 uh, fleets that gank freighters all the time. So pretty no freighter, jump freighter or anything in of near Gita. Is, is safe. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of cargo you have, doesn't matter, etc. Uh, as, as so long as you get bumped by us, you will get killed. That's pretty much what's the deal. And we started this uh, Friday, uh, 1400 Eve. We did the first gank and we hope to end it Monday, but that has to be seen how many ships we have because we're running a bit low, so we might not hit Monday and have to end it tonight. No. Having so much fun, you guys are going to pass out. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think we have uh, had like around thirty to forty thousand ships fitted up, and we're running low. So we have to see how it all goes. I hope it will go good, but uh, at least we uh, we killed already a lot. Five hundred seventy-five uh, billion isk on uh, freighters, jump freighters, and other things. We killed maybe a bit more because not all the things, but there is a uh, corp suddenly seamen, a naval charity. I think you have a link for that. That has an, uh, pretty much there. All the BJBs are in that. Uh, BJBs are Burn Gita Bs. 
and um, that are uh, alt characters of people who uh, want to run Burnjita. A lot of them, of course, use their mains or their ganking character they use normally, but it's a very nice uh, thing. And you can see for March when we started to burning Jita, what the value is. Last year we did February. You cannot see that on the last year. So last year we hit over 740 billion. And this year we already hit 575. So we have to see how it goes. We killed more things already this year than last year. So yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's going pretty well. I don't know if any of you have participated in Burn Jita also. I have. And by the way, even though a lot of the characters are called Burn Jita B, they're not all Goonswarm. Um, in fact, they're not all Imperium. There'll be people Correct. mixed in there who are normally on the opposite side of a conflict from us. And um, they're they're putting on a temporary character and joining the fleet and running around. I've seen Kill a Bee, you know, yep. in fact, even streaming from from the thing. I've seen uh, folks from from Tickle and a couple other, uh, you know, normally not friendly groups in there with us. Yeah, pretty much if you know how to get on comms and in the fleet, then you're invited. So you have to do the work and uh, get on comms and be on fleet. And it's not the normal normal comms we have. We have a special comms for this. So if you have a way to find out how to get there, you're invited to run with us. So, uh, yeah, Killer B did yesterday a lot of uh, ganking with us during his 24-hour stream he did, and a lot of other people just joining into the fun. Uh, and uh, Because it's just, it's just amazing. Like, every 15 to 20 minutes on average, not 20, 20 minutes on average, we gank on Freighter uh, the whole day through, and it's, uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, uh, one of the reasons why I, uh, I normally don't do that much in Minilove, I'm in Minilove, a member there, and just press F1 normally. But during Burn Duta, I'm uh, always have seeing uh, it's, uh, because we have a lot of people who do support. So we have people who have scouts who are scanning all kinds of things that are coming in. So we know what kind of fits it are. We have people who are bumping uh, freighters. We have people who provide warp ins. We have people who uh, have aggressors or digress. So if people log off, uh, they don't disappear. Uh, and all kinds of other roles that are around this, uh, loot teams, all those kind of things are around this, uh, are there. And normally those people also run fleets, but during Burnjita, because of all the work that has been done, it's our general people who uh, FC normally otherwise uh, take that role. So myself, I, I think Asher done something. You have some other people like Mental88 who doesn't do that much dur during the year, but for Burnjita, we are coming here and helping out mm -hmm. the team. So. Uh, have the tools really helped Burnjita? Because if you're going to fit that many ships, the bulk buy and uh, you know all that kind of stuff must help a lot. Oh, bulk buy and bulk fit. Thank you, Kaka. We love yeah. you. Bulk bulk fit for it mostly. Bulk buy not that much, I guess, because most of the things since we are are being built ourselves. Since you, you, we 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 mine a bit normally during the year and still now. Oh, so how long does it take? How long does it take to kind of prepare for this sort of thing? Uh, what they started like a few months ago uh, to start the plants, and uh, we mostly we can run three or four bungees a year if we really want to, but uh, it takes a lot for people. Most of the time, uh, after a weekend doing bungee, people are burned out for ganking and other things for a few weeks to a month, so they're not doing not only doing very high valuable stuff and not that much uh, during that time. So, and you want to give people a chance to get their bread back and 
be in the thing because it asks a lot of you people. Uh, this weekend, people plan, uh, make sure they have not no things planned. Uh, they're ganking 18 hours straight, uh, etc. So it, it takes a lot from you. So that's why we're only doing it once a year in general. And we want to keep it uh, a special. Yeah. I also want to say a word about mini love in case you guys don't know who that is. Some of the viewers and listeners might not know. The Imperium is so big that in order to have some sense of community, there are all these special interest groups for things that people enjoy together. And there's one for ganking called the Ministry of Love. Uh, and um, they call it Mini Love for short. And that's what he's referring to. Yes. So during Bernjita, um, all these extra people don't are everyone's invited to participate so to speak and all the ministry of love regulars end up stepping up into volunteer positions and doing a bunch of background work and um, those of us who just joined for the Bernjita get to just be passengers and have fun and and it may not sound like a lot of fun to shoot a freighter in high sec it's remarkably more fun than it sounds you should try it a couple times yeah, yeah and, mm -hmm. and then you have things like anti-gankers who try to stop us. You have some ECM bursts. You have some people who are uh, killing oh. our ships where we pump with. And all those kind of things come around. And we deal with that. And we find ways to deal with it. Because, yeah, we have done this before. So, so they're good guys. Uh, <laughs> yes. That, that's, just, that's just how you <laughs> see it. And they're also think... like bottom feeders that come and just try to do something cheap and, and tacky to get on lots of kill mails. And they, they're not trying to kill you. They're not trying to stop your gank. They don't want you to not do what you're doing. They just want cheap fluff on their kill board. Mm -hmm. And we all roll our eyes at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and people well, stealing well, our loot and those kind of things. And yeah, that's we're not that worried about loot most of the budget If we can get it, it's always a nice right. plus. But yeah, there are a lot of people who try to uh, loot what we kill because, yeah, and then they can sell it again. So let me, let me uh, let me just get the Tiberius in here. Did you have something? Yeah, I mean, um, because even though Bernjita is like a huge content generator, like it's it's a big event, everybody likes to really get involved with it. It causes a lot of disruption. There is another reason behind it, isn't there? Like to do with sort of the markets and disrupting trade hubs and things like that um, that a lot of people can profit from. Uh, do you, do you have any sort of idea or insight on how that sort of goes on as well? Uh, it's probably going on because people in the Imperium, of course, know when it happens, so they can uh, deal with that beforehand. I'm I'm not too much into that, how mm. much it, uh, people can, are profiting from it, yes or no. Those are, those are after effects. But, you know, we jumped right in because a lot of the players that watch the show are advanced players and stuff. But I'd like to dial back and go into the origins of uh, Bernjita. Uh, mm. And um, Carneros, can you tell us how it started? It, well, there was ganking from way back. From sure. you know, I'm a 2009 player. It it predates me a lot. Well, uh, even before, sorry to interrupt you. Even before Bernjita, uh, we need to describe like what it is. And this is basically a, a blockade of the most, um, the busiest market hub in the game. There's basically one market hub that it towers above them all, and that's where most people buy their stuff in bulk. And so this is a blockade by the Imperium, uh, generally yeah. Goonswarm. To basically burn it means to not allow, not allow anything to, to get past it uh, that has a lot of stuff in it, like freighters and uh, 
industrials and stuff like that. So if you're moving cargo in and out of Jita, it's dangerous time. Sorry, go ahead. You can go past it. I mean, it's not, it doesn't stop every ship. They just, every 20 minutes or so, they pick the best target out of the group and blow it up. So you, uh, and it doesn't matter. And the best target doesn't necessarily mean the one with the lowest tank or the most value in its cargo hold or the most interesting name of the ship or the, you know, it, it could be the one that's trying to go around and avoid us that that's the one we go for or something like that. Do you guys scan them to, to see what's in them? So we know what everything has got before it comes to us. Um, I'll tell you a secret that I probably shouldn't say. (laughs) Please. The number one thing you can do to help your odds for getting through is to have a second character with a webbing ship to, to web your freighter into, uh, into, that's, that's some advanced play. Yeah. So, is that okay to tell them Apple Pear? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I don't a, know. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty known, and even then, mm-hmm. we we might catch you. So, uh, yeah. So what, the way that this thing started was that uh, this happened, I think, in 2011, I think, and that was that uh, the CSM had a controversy with uh, the Matani, and Matani was basically asked to either leave CSM or actually not to run again because their term had just ended. And so an immediate response to that, it was probably planned before anyway, was this attack attack on the game, really. And it was uh, goons kind of retaliating for uh, for their leader being dissed, something like I that. I remember that. Yeah. And that was Burn Gita 1. It was put together by Aerith, um, who's a financial guy, because it also helps the marketplace, which is what um, Tiberius was talking about earlier. Although they don't pick when to do this based on... Mm-hmm market needs oh no they pick when to do this based on when does the group need content and we haven't done this in a long time look what can we do that would be fun for the players and is it's that kind of a thing so also this, also one thing yeah. is that uh what was i'm saying after first burn Gita is when the ministry of law of, um started so uh there was no special ganking sick within the imperium before the first burn Gita. after burn Gita, there were so many people who like to do it that they started in sick that uh did all the ganking and from there uh the ministry of love started right so um anyway that was 2012 which w- that's when burn Gita first started the uh the csm was 2011 it ended badly and then by 2012 there was the burn Gita, and we have a little bit of history inside the chat channel there um we'll get back to that so yeah so that was burn Gita, and it went on for as as you know they mostly did Jita, but they also did a different trade hub called Amar, which is the second largest trade hub, just to vary it up, I think. And yeah, that, so, that was uh, for a good reason, since uh, uh, the the space pope, we, we, we needed to uh, punish the people in Amar who didn't uh, believe in the right ruler of uh, <laughs> Amar. So that's why uh, Burn Amar uh, started. I love it. It's good. So that excuse was uh, for for the people who followed the, the queen, uh, the NPC queen. Empress uh, Sarum, Empress, yeah. sorry, Empress uh, Heretic. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, the the they made up this RP of uh, a player um, called they basically call him the Space Pope, um, and he basically was uh, the suppose he was the leader that was, uh, I guess, backed by the Imperium. So that was that uh, kind of a conflict, it's a religious uh, military conflict, but always goes back to the marketplace. So let's. Um, yeah, let's not let's remember that this kind of uh, 
shows you how many people aren't really playing the meta. So it's kind of like the people who just play the game don't know about this because it's all talked about out here in the meta, uh, in news programs like this and that sort of stuff. But if you're in the game, there's no official notice that this place is going to be attacked. Actually, that's actually, you know, we see these people who absolutely do know that burn gene is going on and they still try to bring their step through. And we'll gank them once and they'll go back and get another freighter. I, yeah. I don't understand that part. <laughs> And it's, it's even that that like two years ago, three years ago, I think not Burnamore, but the one before that, that it was in the client. So when everybody, when they log in, they got the message that Burn Gita was happening and we still yeah. killed stuff. So even if you put it in the client and for everybody to read, it, uh, people still get killed. So yeah, I don't well, mind. There was early on, there was a, a lot of complaints about it because this was seen as an attack on the rest of the game by uh, Goonswarm. And so... There was, you know, I think they tried to say, hey, look, we'll give you a heads up uh, and the client going in, I think. So that was that. All right, cool. Is there a little bit more on this or are we done? Yeah, I know we have some two fun things that I want to highlight. We have an, uh, Michael Tyndall. He was a, there's a special Reddit thread about him. I don't know. I wasn't there exactly, but there, he was an, uh, pretty uh, salty about his loss and then started uh, putting tears into Jita, so people started a Reddit thread about him. That was a fun one. And uh, one of the most fun ganks itself we had uh, is an arc in Jita. Uh, and that kill we ha had over 370 people on that arc. And uh, that was, uh, we had two gank fleets on at the same time. And it was uh, a combined gank that we warped in at the same time with both fleets to kill one uh, arc. And this was uh, basically with the plates he had on there, this was max tanked uh, what you could get. This is the hardest thing to kill as jump freighter with a ganking fleet there is. So this is something that you normally won't be able to kill. And we just combined two fleets on it and killed it all together. And that was like an, uh, a great feeling to do that in Jita. So uh, yeah, that, that were the two things I really want to there and for the rest uh people please bring in so many uh freighters bring some like uh, 20 30 billion worth freighters to jita so we can kill them and uh it's like you can participate in burn jita that way it's like please bring some water <laughs> having so much fun we haven't left yeah that's uh that's pretty cool have fun doing uh, burn jita it ends when so that i know when to move so of, of, uh, somewhere, uh, I believe Monday somewhere, uh, as I said, if we have enough uh, ships, because that's a thing that is a bit of an issue. So we will see when it ends. All right, cool. All right, uh, congrats with that. And next, I want to turn to a topic that came up last week or two weeks ago when we talked about Blades of Grass and how they were um, quietly leaving the Guardians of the Galaxy's coalition uh, led by Darkness. And they moved to, uh, I think it was DCU, which is Drones... How do you, what is that? Drone control, drone control unit. Drone control unit. And that's, uh, they're up in like, uh, I guess the drone regions up in the north there. Um, and while we were talking about them, their history came up because Blades of Grass is a play on the group called Lawn, L-A-W-N. Uh, and it was formed by the people who started, sorry, Blades of Grass was formed uh, by the people who started Lawn, but were at some point... Um, Lon had gone in a different direction than the leadership, and so the leadership broke off and uh, did their own thing. When that was happening, there was a bit of a controversy, and that's why we wanted to talk to Duncan here, uh, Duncan McLean, who's the CEO of Lon, to kind of explain what happened there. Yeah, so that was a pretty interesting time for us. Um, we were ironically, you know, 
in Delft, where we are currently today. And, uh, you know, at the time I was the uh, director of finance. And so, you know, you're in Jabber all the time with, you know, the various leadership positions, and you could definitely start to see a little bit of a split. There was, um, at the time, uh, Basil Vulpine was leading lawn, and there was more and more frustration with, with goons. And so there was a little bit of a difference of opinion. Now, what that was never really fully came out, but the, the frustration level continued to increase. So we, we retreated from Delve back and uh, moved in a fountain with uh, F.A. at the time. And, you know, we handed our space off in Delve at the time through negotiated practice over to Sort Dragon. And everything went pretty well. We went to F.A., space with fountain. Um, and then we when we retrenched back in the north and moved to Vale, there was a decision that was made where the Vulpines, Baseline gang, wanted to go ahead and take lawn, leave the Imperium at the time. I think we might have still been the CFC, and and retrench and stay in Fountain Core and split off. And the we were you know pretty good sized, and so they they really thought that everybody was going to stay within within lawn. We were going to go do our own thing and then leave. The problem was most of our corps were were pretty tied to the relationships we had built with the Imperium and we wanted to stay and so it started a little bit of a schism and i can still remember being in a hotel and it was like two in the morning where the uh, vice chairman thoric frosthammer gave me a call and said secure everything we're going to split and so the corp started voting we realigned the hc corporation and the next day blueprint house and a few other corporations had been exercised from lawn and they were kind of they were still blue so they could evac but at the time the decision was made that we wanted to stay with the imperium but the leadership of the of the lawn at the time wanted to go a different path and and so we split wow now arendis corrects us here that they the volpines weren't the founders of lawn they were the executors why is it confused that they were considered the leaders of uh, or the the people who owned Lawn, basically. So the actual founder, I believe, was uh, Mindframe back in the day. So Lawn is a, is an older alliance. It's ten years ten years plus. They started off with uh, XIX um, before moving up into Pure Blind with NC. I joined about Lawn about eight years ago, and uh, you know at the time the longest running chair that we've had. The reason why most people associate the Volpines with Lawn is they were the longest running heads of Lawn, Basel was. And so while they have not always been the head of Lawn, they were the longing and most visible presence of Lawn for the last, you know, few years until the change. I see. So was there something of a, of a robbery, like a 40-40 or 400 billion uh, robbery that happened that they were blamed for and that sort of thing? Yeah, that was a pretty big screw up on my part. So, so no. Um, so at the time, you know, Basil is, you know, is a master at logistics. Um, he's very good at it. And so he was holding Mungu and, and there was a process internally where it's collected and then handed off to the finance department for development. And um, they were sitting on, I think, 22 or 25 billion. And I was putting the financials together and I might have accidentally added a few zeros. And I and so when I was trying to settle everything up to make sure that all of our assets were secure, I mistakenly added a few zeros and, and screwed that up. I noticed it the next day, but by then the damage was done. So, no, they, they never stole anything from law. And I, I see that all the time in Reddit. I try to correct it and people tell me I'm wrong, which is pretty funny because I was the guy that made the mistake. <laughs> yeah, no, That's great. I, I like the way you. Uh... You own up to it and stuff. I've heard that too. I didn't understand what had happened there. 
Uh, I thought it was like bad publicity of some sort or something. So was it a bitter departure or not? It depends on your point of view. Um, I know that the, you know the Volpines felt pretty pretty bitter. Um, there were I underestimated probably the amount of people that were in lawn and still are in lawn that had significant frustration with them. Um, I didn't share it. I you know everybody gets frustrated with people from time to time, but a lot of people were frustrated and you know looked at them as the opportunity. Some of it was lawn has always been, you know, kind of a drama free, relatively mature. Uh, alliance, but in a game where the average age of a player is 37, most most people are older now, and uh, but it was it was getting a little a little odd, you know. No, you know, if you said a bad word on comms, you were you were kind of taken to the shed and smacked around a little bit. There was more and more of kind of a moral police, and some people wanted to play the game and occasionally say a bad word or two, and and so they pushed back, you know. And while you know. They left, and while you know, I know everyone makes a joke about uh, blades of grass. Their values make them different. So lawn today has values. I'm just not sure what exactly they are. But on the other hand, if CCP would love to give us another party suite, we would we would like a second oh, opportunity. It's about the party suite. This is legendary. Yeah, I was I was there. Um, thankfully, I didn't sign for the room. So it was pretty crazy. I, you know, I still think back to it. They were like, well, who's going? Who's got decent numbers? Lon had pretty good numbers that year. And I think, well, if we're going to give somebody a party suite, who should we give it to? And I know it's random or what have you, but I'm pretty sure they thought we were a safe bet. And uh, it might have started off safe. And then, you know, we let a few people in. I mean, we even had, you know, some some police presence there, off-duty police officers from within lawn that were kind of guarding the door. But it got out of control pretty quickly. And I ain't gonna lie, it was it was a pretty good time. How bad was the damage? You know, I've heard various numbers. I've heard twelve to fifteen thousand um, dollars. you know, I you know, I went back the next morning to see if I could help clean it up and there were still people, you know, sleeping in the tub, in the bed. You know, it was it was kind of a little pandemonium a little bit. But uh, I think the damage probably was a little overestimated, but Vegas has to get paid too, I guess. But it was it was pretty substantial. It was I looked at it and I was like, oh, I don't think you can fix this. So we cleaned up what we could and got out. That's a good thing CCP signed for the room, isn't it? Uh, last time they did that. Actually, I, I think it was the last time they had a party suite. No, they had one for a mercenary coalition, but I don't know how they controlled that. Hopefully um, better. Yeah. Well, okay. So those are the two things about lawn that, that stick out in my mind. Uh, we did talk to the Velopines and they're, um, that's how you say their name. And they were um, reluctant to come on screen. They just not, are not good at it. Uh, he said, and, uh, but he did kind of say everything you said. And you know, it wasn't, it wasn't nearly, they're not really as um, uh, angry about it as I thought they might be. Cause I thought it was a lot more contentious, but it doesn't sound like it. They're, they're happy in blades of grass. They're happy they were in, Guardians of the Galaxies, and they've moved on, and they're happy with where they're going. Uh, just kind of a cheerful lot. Yeah, they're um, so good very good people. You know, you 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 talk to people enough, and you get to know them pretty well. Very very good people. And I think the other thing is, you know, time has passed. They've they've moved on. We have moved on, and but we're still kind of tied together at various points of time. Cool. Well, thanks for clearing that up. I uh, always wanted to know about that. Um, all right, so let's um, shift gears here and move on to uh, uh, an another group that's gone missing, and that is CO2. Are they making a comeback? Who knows about that? I've heard this rumor also. It's, uh, it's great. Uh, I mean, yeah. I've heard a number of different things, but I haven't heard anything like solid. Uh, 
yet, other than they may be getting some space in the north, and somebody that knows uh, GigX that was very involved in leadership to begin with in the first place is also running it. Um, but I don't see a massive increase in .land numbers or activity, so I'm kind of interested to see what's what's happening there. I don't think it's um, I don't think uh, GigX is back. Uh, if he's back on an alt, maybe I don't know, but uh, I I don't know. I'm pretty sure that um, they they uh, GigX's ban has has not been lifted. I'm pretty sure of that. And at this point. Uh, Hold on. At this point, I want to introduce uh, Jay Amazingness because he has returned after killing something. Uh, how you doing, Jay? Pretty good. I uh, didn't kill anything, sadly, but... Oh. Boo. <laughs> Bruised. Don't come back till you kill something. Um, all Can right, so Jay, CO2 thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll include you in this, and we're going to go later on into uh, some of the changes that have come and gone and that are coming. Uh, but tell us about CO2. What, you, what do you know? As far as I know, they're going to be living in, in Vale in a few systems where Infinity Space used to live. Uh, and GigX isn't unbanned, but he is planning on leading the Alliance from Discord, I guess. Uh, the Quint, Quinton Decker will be leading the Alliance from in-game. Oh, interesting. What's it? I'm, not, I'm not sure how, how many people they're going to get to return, because um, if you were in CO2 before, that's uh, that was like four months ago, five months ago now, so you've uh, settled in a new home. Uh, if you had a armor super, you probably switched to a shield one if you went to try or test. Um, and do you really want to move all your supers and all your assets from the south to the north again just to fly with a certain FC that can't log in? It's a pain yeah. in the butt to move those things that far. Yeah. Out. It'll test loyalties, won't it? No, like who was the hardcore guys? Yeah, totally. Apple, did you want to say something on this? I wanted to make the same comment that I heard that Gig uh, is planned to lead the alliance from Discord indeed. For the rest, I hope uh, the judge has a lot of chain mail to uh, protect his uh, his hands. Chain mail? <laughs> is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Not armor plates or something more significant? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> all right, well... <laughs> So the, another thing that's happened um, is the NETC, the New England Trade Company. New uh, Eden. Oh, what did I call it? New Eve? New England. <laughs> You're thinking right. of like the old India Trading Company or something. That's there. what it was. That's what I think of. Yeah, well, they um, were founded by the guy who basically put a lot of money into the uh, uh, casino war. And it was uh, Lenny Kravitz. But he got banned... And so his efforts kind of went away, supported by other people. Uh, and so basically that ended up uh, kind of languishing, and now it's basically gone. Yeah, it was the sort of, I, it, was, it was touted as the biggest uh, public infrastructure that, uh, of EVE of all time, uh, with all its keep stars designed to give uh, people safe route for all their uh, big ships and capitals all around LOSEC. Um, and there was a lot of money invested, huge amounts of money, because we're talking like multiple keep stars. keep stars, yeah, early ones, right? Like these are the fresh off the front line. I mean, when they first came out, they were more expensive than they are now. And yep, yeah. um, and you know, it was, but it wasn't only just that as well. It was getting all the the four stars in place too, but and it was also, you know, 
put into place the contracts for all the various organizations to protect them as well. So they're like PLNC, for example, was contracted to defend them should they come under attack and things like that. Um, and then multiple organizations are involved in just looking after the things like uh, Mercenary Coalition got one, for example. Uh, the Culture got another, I, th- I think. Um, and it was going to be a huge, huge project, massive. Um, and since uh, the end of World War B, the casino wars, um, and the money, the, the massive wealth that was behind this thing was dried up, um, nothing's happened with it. And uh, Tribber went on to Reddit and put an announcement out, which basically said that uh, uh, it's coming to an end uh, with uh, Ghost Legion, um, who's uh, run by, which is run by Fafa, uh, part BOP, PL, and NC interests, um, are going to be taking it over. Um, so that's that's going to be interesting. Yeah, the um, one of the Keep Stars was owned by MC, and they decided to give that to. Uh, Max uh, Singularity. What is it? Max Sing- Max Singularity. Am I, no, I'm totally yes. wrong in his name. Yeah, yeah no, you're getting it right. They're giving. They gave it to the uh, space pope, basically. And yeah, thanks. Uh, I'll just call him the space pope because I I think Max Singularity. Then I think of Max Headroom. Then I think of Maximum Velocity or uh, uh, that streamer guy. I, I just get it all mixed <laughs> up. Anyway, um, so it is. It has already kind of disassembled, but it's being picked up by Ghost Legion. Uh, we'll see what becomes of it. We're going to have a show on it April 1st. It won't be an April Fool's uh, show either. It will be, uh, we'll have Pfeiffer from Ghost Legion telling us what's going on with that as Kriba steps out of it. Yeah. Um, and these things have changed in nature. It used to be that the idea was you had these keep stars that would have Titans and the Titans would be able to bridge industrialists back and forth and it, for a fee. They would be like gatekeepers. Uh, and that just was that plan was just never going to work uh, because of the way that people buy stuff and Eve or make stuff and that kind of thing. Um, but they had this Fortizar map with keep stars that allowed these um, super capitals to use it as part of a highway to get to where they were going. The trouble is with these changes, that network is dead. Those Fortizars can no longer be safe uh, for travelers uh, in super capitals because they have now a tethering delay, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. And that means that not safe to go alone. Uh, and without that, those Fortisars really aren't, are kind of meaningless. But the keep stars are still important because those are like parking garages for supers. So if you're somebody who's not going to play the game for a while, you don't know if you're going to be in your alliance when you get back, you might park it in a neutral place. And this is one of those neutral places, these keep stars. Mm-hmm. So we'll see and certainly, those. And certainly while Tribber was, um, you know, heading up the initiative, there was always that element of trust there that, you know, these these citadels may not, won't be used for um, other purposes. Now, with him stepping out of the picture and Ghost Legion coming into place, um, while Fafo promises to maintain neutrality of these facilities, um, there have been a lot of vocal concerns that he won't. So, how, if you've got how neutral will it be if I were to jump my supercap fleet to it? Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah. uh, you know, with his connections uh, to other like a whole bunch of groups in the north um you know if if the the goon goon supercat fleet suddenly turns up on it will that keep star stay neutral for very long we don't know so well that that was kind of the it's been bs ever since it came up the way the imperium views this network of of keep stars or actually fortisars and keep stars at the time was as a threat because now you have a highway for 
PL and NC who are mostly don't care about Sov, they care about war. Uh, they could use that to get down to Delve. So any any way uh, that this trade company got near anywhere it got near the Imperium, the Imperium would destroy it, and they including that Keepstar. Yeah, we tried to anytime they tried to put one down within like say you know two or three midpoints of Delve with full back and with one uh, the one in solitude. Uh, the Keepstar that was planned for there. I'm not sure if it's up yet or if it ever went up, but that's the one that we were planning on shooting as well. Mm. But we don't want anything near Delve from uh, from those free ports. Yeah, yeah the PL one we killed. Uh, is it yeah. also also um, it doesn't uh, it also affects our members as well. There, it's a lot easier for our members to move their super caps out of Delve and sell them, which is against uh, our policy. Oh, interesting. So, in order to keep them from from uh, using third third party facilities to sneakily sell what Titans and uh, I was going to say motherships, but uh, super carriers to people they're not supposed to be. So you kind of shut your own guys off from that market too. That's interesting. Yeah, stop stop the nuclear weapon proliferation outside of your own country. Yeah, yeah. but the so the the network itself said, okay, well, Imperium can't really use this network because they killed the Keepstar we were trying to put up in. Um, what was in the south there? It's not Decline. What's in the south? Janalab. Oh, Janalab and Derelict. Derelict. Thank you. Yes, you're right about that. And so by killing that Keepstar, they disqualified themselves from from using these. Really, that was like you can't use these to stage innovation on North. So we'll just say Imperium can't use it. I'm sure if there was, we, we uh, got a we got a thirty minute, uh, thirty day ban from using them for that Janaleb keep star kill. Oh, is that right? Well, I yeah. think you're still on the uh, unwelcome list. So I think Ghost Legion has their work cut out for them. They have to basically show uh, everybody that they are neutral and um, just make policies that reflect uh, neutrality and trustworthiness. And we'll see how that uh, goes forward. And uh, the last Keepstar uh, is of the network that's going to be transferred over, which is a Noonan, um, is scheduled to be transferred over uh, at the end of this month. Yeah. All right, cool. Again, we'll get an update on April 1st after that transition happens, what the future looks like for that network. It will no longer be uh, New Eden's trade company. It will be something completely different. Okay, now for the... Uh, Stuff that we really wanted to cover in a way we have the FCs here, like Moderator and Jay Amazingness and uh, Apple Pair. We want to talk about uh, some of the changes that came through in February. Uh, I'll read them off real quick. There was Upwell Structures 2.0, Guardians Gala, which was an event, and that's over now. Uh, and there was an Assault Frigate Balance, uh, which we'll talk about. And then there was some, uh, what they're called, Eros Blossoms, and Eros being Cupid because this was around February. Uh, okay, so a couple of things. Assault Frigate Balance. Uh, moderator, you were writing something about this for your blog, is that right? I'm in the process of, it's more on the actual hack side of it, but Assault Frigates kind of generally fall under that umbrella as sort of a footnote because they are under that kind of designation as being an assault ship. Um, more or less what happened to those is that, as shown in the patch notes, they got some capacitor uh, and some other stats buffed. Um, a couple of them had fitting buffed. And generally, they were in a place prior to that where they weren't particularly competitive. And now uh, they're much more so. So go ahead, guys. Tell me what you guys think of that, uh, that stuff. Do you like the changes? I'm personally generally in favor of the changes. I think it was healthy and they needed to 
have a role. I don't think they're particularly oppressive. Um, there's a couple of situations where you can use the assault damage control, especially in smaller scale, 1v1 kind of frigate engagements where they can be really strong. I mean, no one wants to take um, on, you know, a Jaguar or, say, a Harpy that can just melt you in the face. But um, that's a that's a new take on shoot you in the face. Um, so we should say that uh, moderator is uh, was team captain for the Alliance tournament. He's a uh, master of theory crafting, uh, a writer as well as, you know, uh, and somebody that people look to to see like what you know how the meta is changing for ship doctrines and for those of you that are really a novice ship doctrines are the way that you put a ship together in order to fly it and the doctrine part is how you fly it as well as how you put it together and this is basically theory crafting for how to play eve uh as a as a game um as a video game basically where you fight people and all that kind of stuff um all right so those were the changes in february does somebody else want to hit uh upwell structure changes 2.0 um there's a saturation of information out there, lots of other podcasts and writers talking about it. So I don't feel like we really need to to tread over it very much. Just want to say that those changes came in. And have we seen what the results of those changes were? What more citadels are dying? Mm-hmm. Oh, like, um, yeah. Yeah, when when they when the changes came out within sort of the uh, a few days of it, uh, CCP Quant tweeted out uh, a graph showing the number of citadels that have been reinforced over the period of day, and it literally was just this wobbly line and then straight up um, as everybody was taking on uh, you know high sec citadels that are all over the place and uh, take clearing up citadels in their own space in null sec and, and low sec. So very interesting. In particular, there were a lot of low-power citadels that people saw the opportunity to kill since they were weak immediately, since they were unfueled at the time. And, you know, if you put a fairly low amount of effort into actually breaking them, you can get whatever salvage or loot when they finally did die. So, One thing uh, I've seen people do to make money, um, and if you have a few friends that are low-skilled and poor, go into a wormhole with a few Vex and AV issues and just look for low-powered astrohouses. In wormholes, you said? Yeah. Yep. Uh, it takes like two days to kill them, three days to kill them, and uh, the loot you get, you can get like 60, 70 bill out of some of these. Yeah, uh, because, because uh, wormholes don't have asset safety, so when you blow them up, they drop everything. Yep. And that's one thing I think we weren't prepared for. Kaskora talked about this a couple weeks ago on the show when this was just starting out. Again, this is February changes that are already in the game. Uh, and she said when, uh, when her and her group uh, heard about these changes coming at vegas they were excited about how many pinatas there would be to kill uh but we never really picked up on that and then all of a sudden this change happens and we're hearing that there's so many uh things getting killed in wormhole space i thought that was interesting yeah because beforehand like trying to siege a citadel in wormhole space was extraordinarily difficult because it required so much time and so much effort with all the reinforcements you put guys into the wormhole to reinforce the citadel you're there for a whole week and a bit like there was no way around that you had to be there for a whole week i think the time is a different though in in um wormholes aren't they yeah um it's uh like one day and then two days and then three days it's not uh, yeah. over a week but um most people that aren't playing the game uh if you haven't set your uh your volume timer essentially or when, when you want it to come out it will default to saturday at 1800 so you can go into wormholes on on like friday uh with a few friends and then it'll come out the next day and you kill citadel 
Mm. Right. So that, those changes made Citadels a little easier to kill a little faster, uh, but they also gave some, uh, there was some trade-offs, and so they got a little bit of a buff too. Uh, again, these are changes that are in the game now, uh, and the Guardians Gala event is actually already over, so I hope you participated in that if you, if you knew that was humming. Anybody have an Eros Blossom skin, by the way? They're basically purple-pink. Yeah, what? I've got uh, on my Thanatos and my Macario. Okay. I have, uh, we'll the talk pink, to... I have the pink skin for my roll call that was already there for a year. Uh, well, we'll talk about uh, some of that later on. If we if we get a chance, I want to rant about uh, pink skins and missing Torfi and stuff like that. Okay. So now on to March changes. These changes are not in yet. They will be in probably mid-March. We are thinking the Ides of March if it's, uh, if it's the right Tuesday, uh, which would be the 15th of March. But we don't know the actual date on when they come in. But uh, what's headed our way? Do you guys uh, want to go through that list with me? I think like the one thing that everyone's probably most aware of is the uh, fairly major change that's being made to the reduction in overall jump fatigue, as well as the changes to the jumping and tethering mechanics. Right. So there's a 95% reduction there, which would essentially bring your max fatigue to five hours. Oh, thank God. Five About hours. Time. I mean, it used to be 30 days when it first came out, uh, but also your um, inability to jump would be reduced to 30 minutes. Uh, so those are the two changes. Uh, that's to me seems drastic, but only on paper does it seem drastic. The real world um, considerations, I don't know what that means because when you're moving a fleet, you know. I mean, essentially it means that if you log in for an evening and jump your capital ship around for an evening and then log off for the night, when you come back again, you can do it again the following evening and do it again the following evening. Whereas now you jack up too much fatigue and you're kind of restricted to doing anything for a max time for a week. Um, so, you know, this, this allows people to come on and use their capital ships on a weekly, uh, on a daily basis rather than just like a big time once a week and then having to wait a whole week to clear it again. Well, my question is, these seem to be, uh, as far as CCP is concerned, enough to stop people from projecting their super capital power too far, which was what the whole point of it was. And if this is all they needed to do that, why did they go with a month of... Uh, you know, jet lag, basically, where you had to sit down and, and not use that character, not just if in a they, Titan, but anywhere else. Directly to this, do you really think, think people would have changed their behavior that much? Or would they have still just said, okay, it's going to be harder to project, but let's still project? When they, when they, when they first introduced it, there were still nomadic groups. So you still had like PLNC with no home, just roaming around with massive supercat fleets. Now they've settled down. And they have a home. They have assets to protect. Um, that's why I think they've changed it now. Uh, I don't think you'll see big supercap uh, fleets roaming around like you used to. Like uh, you'd see like ten mid sinos go up, and you'd move from Tinal to Delve in twelve minutes. That won't happen mm. anymore. But um, no more will... Balascos and stuff like that. Yeah, you you'll still see uh, people uh, protecting their own space, but going you know one or two mids further now. So. The, there's more in that sphere of influence. It certainly, it certainly benefits the the people that do like two or three jumps in in quick succession around their area. 
But the further you go, you're still going to have to take a long time to get further away. So if with the jump ranges, you know, if you need to do 12 jumps, we have max time. That's still going to take you sort of six hours, six hours to do. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's a good trade-off. I think maybe yeah. they want to go ahead, Apple. Yeah, and one thing that I think this makes uh, a lot of people are like complaining that there is not that much to fight near them, but with these changes, it gives you makes even pits a bit smaller because it's uh, before then you would if you take a fleet out you would take one bridge if you take two bridges, you have five hours of fatigue and then you have to wait and that um, uh, makes it harder for people to play the game and now it's pretty easy to do two bridges so you bridge a few jumps and you bridge again so it makes your way to travel towards something to shoot something to kill and to have fun makes it a lot less and uh, the irritating part of traveling goes away a bit so I think it's a very good change. It's it's a nice in-between from not making it too oppressive, but making it for people who want to play the game and want to shoot something and go somewhere, make it a bit easier. The opposite to that is, uh, I was talking to Capcu and Killer B on his, uh, on his, on his stream, and Capcu said he's fighting uh, DCU in the drone lands. So these are people that don't have uh, much in the way of super caps so they're they're forming up these battleship fleets and they're moving you know uh two bridges for them uh essentially means they have to pick between timers so if there's a timer at 1600 eve and a timer at 2100 eve they can only double bridge to one of them uh otherwise their, their pilots get too much fatigue and this will make it so they can double bridge to both of them so it reduces the amount of fights you'll be able to take uh, because they're not gating around and there's no opportunities for dropping on them whilst they're gating around. I think one of the things to consider always is the context of when these changes happened. It wasn't um, it wasn't only the power projection I think they were after at the time. Because remember, when they first announced these things, a jump freighter wouldn't be able to, would have the same fatigue as anybody else. So you really, you could only carry supplies so far. The jump freighter had a jump range of five light years, the same as the Titan, the same as the carrier. Like all the, the, the jump uh, distances were five light years if you had max skills. And all the fatigue was the same for everybody else. And then people got really mad. And so what they did is they dialed back. They said, okay, well, we'll exclude logistics. Because I think what they were trying to do is say, live locally. Uh, in other words, fight locally, live locally. And they were trying to make you create your own societies in outlaw space uh, rather than having that umbilical cord to JITA where you could just move supplies back and forth at a cheap cost. Uh, but the they they really kind of backed off on that, and so this seems to be remnants of um, this seems to be the last nerf to what they their nerf that they put in, where you could basically get yourself into a bad situation of not being able to jump with that character on a capital or super capital or whatever or blops if you uh, jump three or four different times you couldn't get on him for a few days, so I think it's kind of like the. And that's to me is a sad sign because it means like, even though Delve has created its own society, uh, you know, they have their own marketplace and they have their own, you know, police and that sort of thing. Uh, that really, that's not really taking off in other places, even though that's happening though, it feels like the game has, is a bit smaller for it because they're basically saying people, people need to be able to get the content across the galaxy. And that's, that's what people are squawking about. So they're going to give it to them. They're going to give them the ability to to increase their range so they can play with these big toys that they spend a lot of time investing in. Is that too pessimistic of you, you guys? 
I don't necessarily know if it's too pessimistic, but one thing I'm a little bit concerned on is that CCP, when they've been balancing uh, cat fatigue or not, um, they seem to go from kind of one extreme to another. So originally, uh, there was no fatigue. Uh, capitals could jump up to, I want to say, 13 14, years. 14 point, 14 yeah. point two. I don't remember the exact area. number, but it was in, in that neighborhood. And that was definitely far too extreme. I was in Pandemic Legion at the time during the Halloween War, and we would frequently be able to travel from essentially one side of the galaxy to another in a matter of 10 to 15 minutes. Um, then when they went to full fatigue, which made it so you could do nearly nothing, and then they extended the jump ranges a bit. Um, I don't know if they needed to bring it down so low to five hours on the blue timer and 30 on the red. I'm a little bit concerned that, especially in fights with large amount of tie-dye, uh, that people who are wanting to come to that fight can do so much quicker, or and that it allows for too much local projection. I'd maybe like to see a blue timer of about an hour a day at most, and maybe a red timer of about an hour or so. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think they... I think where they're going is generally the right direction. I don't know if they needed to make it 95% reduction though. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a, I don't know, a jump clone takes a little less than a day if you have all the skills trained up. Mm. And, I, and I a little rather... less than a day is optimal to be fair, because you know, you, you don't want to stop people from playing their game time in the evening. So jump, jump clone timers were changed to a little bit less than a day. So you can jump. And then when you log back in, you can jump back again and all this sort of jazz. So I think, jump timer should follow the same suit so whether five hours is too extreme maybe we'll certainly see though that's for sure right so if you can only play at six o'clock in the evenings uh you don't want to be sealed out until you know seven o'clock then eight o'clock then nine o'clock so yeah, exactly and i think hours. this is probably a lot of the reason behind that decision that five hours because it means you get a whole evening's worth of gameplay in, and then when right. you log in the next day you're good again so uh, anybody else got anything on jump fatigue? We can cover all these things all at once, so we can go back and, and forth uh, on this stuff. I'd rather have more range and less penalty for that range than reduce jump fatigue. Oh, interesting. Right. So you would you would prefer to go further on? Yeah, what I'd you rather had. have like have like ten light years and super caps or carriers than uh, the seven. But the seven that we have right now gives you an hour and twenty uh, minutes of fatigue. I'd rather that be reduced a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, that would get you into more action uh, quicker, uh, which would be good for you guys. Or give you a, 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 you could actually grow your empire because then your defense fleet could travel a bit further if it needed to and not be penalized. Well, tether- the gankers uh, are, can jump yeah. further into our space. Yeah, that's true. The um, tethering is another change. And this is a thing that killed NETC because if you jump to, uh, a Fortizar with a super capital, you cannot dock because they don't fit. And that means that you don't get tethering help either. So if somebody's sitting there stalking that, you're vulnerable for at least 30 seconds. That hasn't been determined yet, but it's at least 30 seconds. Uh, makes it dangerous for lone travelers of super carriers uh, and stuff like that. So Fortizars uh, are going to feel that. And so this change is basically that if you jump to a Fortizar, sorry, if you jump to a Citadel, any Citadel of any size, that you um, right now automatically tether up and are safe. And so it becomes a very safe way to travel, but now you will have a 30 second delay 
um, which means that if you cannot dock because your ship is too big, you're in uh, a little bit of trouble. What do we think of that? I know I I'm going to have more squeaky bum times when I'm jumping a super around, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely a good change because uh, it means that there will be no more uh, people moving around with impunity. Yeah. And that's exactly what the uh, rule was made for. They want a little more risk. Uh, there was too much safety involved in moving uh, uh, large assets and stuff. So uh, Don't get me wrong. It will still be very easy to move super caps around if you are smart about it. Um, it's that if you okay. yeah, if you just jump blindly without thinking about it, then you'll get punished. Because mm. there, was, there was a whole like cottage industry of EVE players that would... Um, hunt soup traveling supers, um, you know, wrecking crew, uh, low sechnia, shlupin, was it? Yeah, it's low sechnia. Um, a whole bunch of others as well would spend their entire time tracking super capitals as they move around with the change of citadels. It kind of, I mean, it still happens, but you know, it's a lot harder for them to do their, their, what they want to do is just hunting capital ships. Um, and this change. If you're not clever about it, like you said, you're going to get caught out. They call those whalers, right? No, no, those are the guys that hit the big uh, jump freighters or whatever. It's actually They're the ones of... that hit the, hunt, uh, the miners because it's the orca and oh, right, right, right. the rock. It's actually kind of funny that they're doing this because if you remember prior to the existence of Citadels, um, there was an exploit called the Garage Door Sino where if you were on a POS and the POS wasn't, didn't have a shield online, you could light the Sino on the POS stick, jump your asset to that POS, and then online the shield. So you were essentially perfectly safe. And then when CCP introduced... Um, and then CCP actually said, no, you can't do this. This is an exploit. But when Citadels came out, uh, you could jump to them in essentially the same way where you instantly tethered and instantly safe upon the jump. So it's interesting to see um, them go back to that. I'd rather have it this way than some of the other suggestions though, because some of the other suggestions are like, uh, you won't be able to light a Sino on a Citadel uh, at zero. You need to be at least 5k off or whatever. That, that doesn't seem, that just seems like more risk than is needed because then there's no coming back from that. But this, there is, there is still hope that you can be safe somewhat. Right. Yeah. Um, and it still gives the same thing that you had before with like jump freighters and those kind of things, those ships uh, that you lighted the sino on the station and then docked up. And you still can do that as long as you can uh, dock in the citadel. You can dock directly after you uh, go in there. So for if you jump a carrier to a fortress or you can dock and you're completely safe. But if you cannot dock in this structure, then you get the timer and have a bit of risk to it. So. That's good, in my opinion. Now, what about these sovereignty changes? Is it good? Yeah. Oh, remote assistance mm -hmm. for entosis. Yes. Explain that. Uh, um, so they're they're allowing. Uh, so say you're you're entosising in a ship. Uh, firstly, you'll have the range reduced, so you won't be have two hundred fifty kilometer range at the minute on your T two entosis link. You'll have fifty, and uh, you will also be able to receive remote assistance. So that means logi reps. Uh, and like remote sensor boosters and, and whatnot, if you, I guess, if you want that. But you also get 100% uh, sensor strength, meaning it's harder to be jammed. Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially, the, these changes uh, where an Intosa 
is, is very difficult to jam and they're going to be able to get remote assistance destroys the biggest problems that are currently with uh, intosis warfare which is essentially um fuzzy claws where you just get as many intercepts as you possibly could with artillery completely nullified land blap the thing that was intosising and they couldn't do anything about it warp off or you just bring in a whole bunch of jamming ships jam it and then warp off and the counter to that ended up being putting um you know a, a rapier or something like that with a t2 intosis link and then jumping in a, a fax a, a local rep fax and using that to finish off the intosis link and it it, it just ended up being that rather than fighting on these nodes, which is what the original intention of these intosis links were, is that you go and people fight around to control these nodes. You just have people do hit and run attacks or just put the biggest, most difficult thing to kill on there instead. And in the end, it just wasn't very fulfilling gameplay for anybody. Right. So there's going to be more risk for your ship because you're going to have to be closer to the node, but there'll be more assistance available to you if you're the one doing the intosising is the, is what I'm getting out of these changes. Hopefully we'll have fleet fights over where the objective is killing these like 10 hackers on one node instead of, you know, everyone running around and intercept. Right. That was supposed to be a big component of it, right? Cause you could have, it was yeah. supposed to be a tug of right. war where you had That's five exactly guys against their five guys and that just never happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. These are the best changes we've had to solve since. Well, this iteration of stuff, I, I much prefer the old Dominion style stuff. But... Yeah, I know. People look back at the old days, forget the pain, right? Uh, but... I enjoyed the pain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some people it was fun. But one right. thing that also makes it better for us is that the score you gain goes from 5 to 7%, and also the amount of nodes that come out are less. So pretty much you need less nodes to win a timer from both sides. Mm. So it makes it also a bit less painful to do the timers. Yeah, because it was incredibly grindy with all those timers. And if you had a real contest for the timers, like, uh, you know, people were really turn throwing, you could end up fighting for these timers for hours, hours and hours and hours and hours. We're talking like... Do you remember during World War B, we did the EC Tech iHub, which took seven hours? I remember that one very well. Right, so... uh, even during uh, uh, in tribute as well, when NC Horde and that uh, PL were fighting CO2, I think there was one node that we were fighting over for like eleven hours. There was like rotations of people in and out of fleet just to keep going for this thing. Wow, it's too much. Right. So okay. So be less nodes, and you'll be able to take them quicker. So Sov might become a little uh, more contestable, uh, and that sort of thing. Okay. So this new thing came out that they're going to rotate skins. I guess they're running out of inventory space on the interface and they want to retire skins, which is a fascinating concept, right? Scarcity. Something uh, that people I talk about. I can chime in on this one a little Please. bit. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, in my daily life, I'm, I'm a, a producer on a video game for another company um, and have spent a lot of time on, on monetization and stores. I built the original... Um, NEX store in EVE Online uh, as an experiment to learn more about selling, you know, items in stores. Um, You don't want too much in your store. That actually doesn't improve. It's really, really hard to do, to find what you want 
in a store that has a lot of stuff in it. The brilliance that is Amazon.com is not how much crap they have shoved into their store. It's how remarkably easy it is for you to find something to buy in all that pile. They've built brilliant, brilliant software to help you find things that you might like that's related or put stuff together that's really hard to do. In in um, a video game, look at if you stop for a second and look at Blizzard, who, who is, is in some ways a, a thought leader in some of this stuff. Go look at their stores. There are very few items for sale for each of their games, just a handful, and you can see them visually all pretty well in the store. Uh, there's not page after page of them. No, not like that. Um, uh, best practices in this says, and and mind you, my my games aren't any better. So I got too much crap in there. And <laughs> I, I constantly go through and try to pull stuff out and archive them. Your game is EverQuest, right? Um, EverQuest, EverQuest 2, and, uh, and uh, although I'm mostly focusing on an as-yet-unnamed uh, unannounced title, Ooh. but there's you got to do something. A man, a man has to put food on the table. That's the rules. So we're we're working on stuff, but uh, uh, we you know they've got too much in their store. I agree. They need to remove some stuff out of it. And following the Disney model of vaulting some things, putting it away for a few years, bring it back later, you know, for a special occasion, for a, a vault sale on a weekend, for example. That's a good way to do it. Um, they've more or less put a disclaimer on the announcement page where they're taking things out, basically spelling out that they're going to vault them and can reserve the right to bring it back for, for brief opportunities in the future. Best in skin. Yeah, we've seen them um, as well in, in past events where they've had skin drops. They've reused the old skin drops, uh, the old skins as well, like the um like the old two-tone ones that they had before they they started releasing the latest set um so they can use them for those as well rather than having to have a, a dev spend time developing brand new set of skins for, for a particular event as well so jay said uh, invest in skins uh tiberius what's this going to do for collectors like you people really like skins and want to get them all oh to be fair i gave up collecting them because there's just too many and i don't have enough money <laughs> I, I don't pay you enough oh. no like even even well i mean there's some skins in there that are just um like the uh the nyx um umbrial skin which is the one that you got the pre-order with the model of the nyx it's like 40 billion-esque yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no way i'm gonna pay for that so you know i'm always surprised that that people you know you, you spend disc to, to buy skins on a ship that you're rarely zoomed in on but the other day i was looking through the skin store and i actually bought four or five and i have no idea why but it they just look cool and i was like why well, should buy one just in case i ever zoom in <laughs> so uh, it's, i feel the same it's way an rule that when you're on a titan plate and someone's titan doesn't have a skin everyone makes fun of him until he buys the skin truth <laughs> How can you not? How can you own like a ship that that's worth that much and not buy a skin for it? I mean, seriously. Well, um, yeah. So when does this change happen? It happens in March. So look out for that. And going, it does add something to a large fleet experience when all of the other super caps, you know, have mostly distributed themselves amongst the different skins. 
so they all look different and mixed and it feels it's a little bit more like an la freeway where all the cars are different in a different color and you mm-hmm. know a little bit less than uh a little bit less like a a uh, rental car agency parking lot where all the cars look like duplicates of each other and they're only about four different colors. There are sometimes yeah. heated discussions about which skin is better on certain hulls on fleets. Oh yeah. I think oh, that's that's good. I think the skins were a very important change for Eve as a whole. Um mainly because you're right, it gives you a chance to like personalize your ship. Um when beforehand if you were in a ship, it was just the same as every other ship out there. Now you can go, hey, check me out in my uh, swag skin and all this sort of stuff. And certainly some of the recent stuff that's come out, following on the lead from you know what China used to do with, with some of their special edition skins, they can't use the Chinese special edition skins on our server because they are horrifically bad for performance. But now CCP is like using all the new toys and they're producing some really interesting ones now, like the Dramiel skin that's about to come out with the flaming arms. Like what? I think it's really good good for them to do it. To just add that extra connection to, to the game that just wasn't there before. Let's uh, segue just a second here to the Chinese uh, model company that wants to take over doing models of the ships, uh, if you can. This is a little bit of a segue, but uh, you reminded me of that. Tiberius. Oh, the um. Oh, what's it called? That uh, Ki uh, Kisaki Kisaki Studio. There you go. It's a games model company in China. They hand make and hand paint um like a bunch of models, and they have been releasing a whole bunch of stuff, Eve related. Um, and you can find them on Twitter. They have a, a Twitter account, and literally their Twitter account is just a one man campaign to CCP to say, hey. We've got these models. We'd like to distribute them around the rest of the world. Can we do it, please? Some of good. them are amazing. Like yeah. the, they they have their abaddon. It's probably maybe 10, 12 inches long, and it lights up. It has internal LEDs and everything else. And I'm sitting there scratching my head going, well, you know, distribution might be a problem, but why hasn't this been picked up yet, especially since the next thing uh, fell over? And, in fact, uh, the Kasaki studio even said – linked the article or the dev blog where it said that the Nix was no longer going to be produced and said, well, maybe we can pick up where they left off from. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are totally teasing CCP saying, come on, give us the job. We'll do it. And they need um, to give them a shot. Real artist ship. So, you know, it's distribution has gotten quite a bit easier. I, I purchased mm-hmm. something the other day and it came from China and it was here in three days and it was, you know, nothing expensive. So Holy shit, they look amazing. Yeah. No. Give them a shot. So and, look at Twitter, Kisaki. Uh, it's spelled there. You can see it on stream. K-I-S-A-K-I Studio. I'm just going to point out that Oracle model, it's the Amar logo for its base. Like, that is so good. Um, but I met the, the, the guys. They came over to FanFest last year. I met the guys that, that run this company that makes this, and they were there talking to CCP. So hopefully something's coming out from that, but those models are amazing. And they're all hand-painted as well, all hand-built, hand-painted. And you can have them in various colors. So the Prophecy as well, you can have it in the Sarum skins if you wanted, for example. I want one. That would be amazing if you could pay so extra for their skins to be put on them. Oh, yeah, so these guys also, already... Sweet. These guys are trusted by CCP already because they do the work for Serenity Server. So, um, yeah. Anyway, but who knows? It's a licensing thing and all that, and you know how complicated that gets. 
All right. So I did want to cover that. I will, uh, if I have time rant, it doesn't look like I will, about pink skins and how the game is going more action-y and less, you know, vibey, environmental. Anyway, can't get to that. All right, I wanted to continue on with some of the changes that are coming through. We'll just briefly go through that. And that is uh, the back, the, uh, there's going to be a new back end to the text channel or the, I don't know what do you call it, chat module or whatever. That's going to be externalized. Sorry, not externalized. It's going to be you're going to use external technology to uh, to have that, so it won't be a homemade chat channel like you have now. But you shouldn't have any functionality loss. So chat channels are going to change, maybe some new features along with that, uh, and they're also going to retire eVoice, which I'm actually very sad about. Uh, but it does seem to you know show that the power of Discord and third-party tools is just way too strong, and always has been with Ventrilo oh. and Teamspeak and all those mumble. I think I used eVoice once, and I got disconnected, and I couldn't okay. reconnect again. Uh, you know, so that's that. that, that, that was, um, and especially, yeah, especially with like Discord, where it's um, you know a free, very powerful application. Um, yep. But there's something about um, Eve being able to handle its core tasks. Its core tasks are people need to coordinate verbally in order to be efficient on the battlefield, and, and it should handle that. Like it. You shouldn't have to externalize that. It's critical to the game. At the same time, though, and it's one of the things that they've said that they had to retire in order to move uh, Eve to being a 64-bit uh, client. And that was one of the last things, along with the captain's quarters, that was preventing it. And also about 1 in 250 people were actually using it on any sort of regular basis. Yep. And at that point, it's just, why have it if we need to continue to develop technology? Yeah, I mean this. This exactly, and this is why CCP have stated that they remove a lot of things. Is because the more things they plug into the client, is the more things that need constant maintenance and constant updates and constant quality checks when they do do something to make sure that it just doesn't completely break. I know someone's going to probably do a meme where CCP breaks things every now and again. That's a given, but uh, jukebox was removed because. You know, of the the technical debt that it was causing, Captain Quarters has been removed because of the technical debt it was causing, and the Evoice is just another one of those as well. Yeah, I'm I mean, remove shit on users for client performance, then I'm happy. Exactly. <laughs> but I just remain encouraged, just because as they continue to narrow their focus to the core of the game, it you know, there's hope that they the game performance and the gameplay will will improve. Yeah, and for big fights, uh, things like local chat was something that if you closed it, it gave you better performance. And also e-voice and sound is something you turned off to get better performance on your client. So uh, to get it out of the standard servers and those kind of things. And there, I think that's better for fights and bigger things. So I'm glad they're doing it. Okay, so the next changes are the last that we'll talk about. And those are the balance changes that are coming. I'll read through them really quickly and then we can discuss them. And that is for Tech One battleships, uh, they're going to be uh, have a little more cargo and they're going to have a little stronger lock range. Uh, attack battle cruisers are going to be able to fit the micro jump drive uh, module, which allows them to jump or blink, as they call it. Uh, there are going to be some specific ship changes. Uh, the Orthrus is going to be slower, easier to hit, uh, and a little less fitting power on the power grid. Ferox is going to be a little less fitting. Uh, the Macario is going to uh, nerf. It's going to have less range. Uh, it's going to be easier to hit, and they're swapping out a low for a mid module. Uh, and that basically means that uh, the low modules are used for damage and tank and that sort of stuff. And the mid modules are used uh, sometimes for utility, but also shield. 
And again, Minmatar are ships that you can use as armor tanked or shield tanked. And so a lot of, a lot of versatility with that racial uh, group of ships. And that's the tradition of uh, the Macarial uh, as part of that Minmatar alignment with, I think, Galenti. Swiss Army Macarial. Right. So you have the Drake Navy issue, and that's going to have one less launcher, but do more DPS per. Cyclone is getting more DPS. These are buffs here. And uh, the, so the Cyclone is getting more DPS. The Eagle is getting faster, and it's going to have more drones. Uh, and the Munin is going to get more DPS, be faster and harder to hit. It's also going to switch uh, one high um, it loses It loses, uh, yeah, utility in the high slots, and it gains a mid. So maybe a little more E-War or something. Okay, and then they introduced the Monitor Ship. Uh, which is basically going to be a ship that has 90% resistances. Uh, it will be able to use probes and have a target painter. It's really just to, to get on kill mails. Let's just be clear about that. So that ship is meant for FCs that don't want to worry so much about getting knocked off the field so they can continue to give orders on the field, which allows the battle to go on. And this ship insulates them from getting really alpha'd off it. Okay, I hate so this ship. Any of those ships? Do we want to talk about any of those ships? If you do, let's do it. Two, two, just two quick points, and then I'll uh, I'll, I'll step back. But uh, Munion, don't tell Elo Knight, and uh, the I hate the, the flag cruiser. Okay, Elo Knight is back. Uh, apparently, he's going to be FCing, or he's going to he's back in the game. He just appeared on open comms the other night, so we'll see what's up with him. What do you guys think of the ships? Uh, just kind of briefly going down mm-hmm. the list. One of the things that. Um, of note is that they're increasing the base lock range on tech one uh, battleships and they're also increasing the cargo pass capacity uh, part of that was dates back to uh, kind of a complaint that mr hyde a former csm had where uh, people who were wanting to use the micro jump drive in solo and kind of small scale uh, things uh, didn't actually have the targeting range to lock so when you jumped onto someone you would have to relock them and in a battleship that takes a lot of time so this way you can jump on top of someone and scram them in kind of a solo application. Um, one of the other points where this really factors into like a larger fleet fight is now things like Ravens that are being fit for cruises with um, projection in the mids, the uh, uh, ballistic control computers and the uh, targeting uh, mids, the sensor boosters they're going to be able to, you know, already lock out to more or less max range and just be jumped around. And that is a further buff to that. Jumpy, jumpy ravens. Essentially uh, gives ships that fight at longer ranges the, you don't really have to fit a sensor boost in there with them. Oh, that's good. Well, the Macarial seems to be taking a pretty big hit. At least you can tell by their market price diet, taking a dive. Um, but uh, something that Fozzie's known for saying, um, that is, uh, people underestimate Minimitar ships. I think because you can get more creative with them. It's still going to be pretty strong, I think, yeah. as an armor tanked battleship. Maybe it's just a, a knee-jerk reaction to start selling those things off yeah. at cheaper prices, but they'll probably start buying them up again, so look for that. Uh, Cyclone, haven't heard much of that. Um, and the Ferox, I think, was very popular for a while. At least it was a cheap ship that you could uh, get a fleet into that could be effective. Currently, uh, Battlecruiser Meta is overwhelmed by the Ferox just because it just does a ridiculous amount of sustained D- DPS when you get enough of them in. Um, 
So that's that's a, an obvious choice for them. Um, in before, can I bring my Ferox memes, maybe? Because uh, they, they came the replacement for the Drake, essentially. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that's a sensible thing. The Cyclone definitely needs more damage because that, that thing just never gets used. Ferox used to suck. I, mean, I think PvPers used to use them uh, to attract people as bait, you know, because this ship is only flown to be killed. So if you fly it, people will attack you. Uh, and they used to bait people into Ferox fights because uh, it just used to be bad. Then it, you know, all ships go through their their sunshine days uh, as well as when they get put on the shelf and nobody uses them anymore. Like, for instance, for a creative FC to use it once and get a good fight out of it for people to start looking at it again. Right. Yeah, yeah. And people examine what you did there and they start saying, can we replicate that? Uh, I've noticed that the, the Drake has been one of those ships that was like, it was just a PVE boat um, back in 2009. And then, cause it could withstand, you know, uh, it had so many slots for shields. It could just withstand all, all kinds of NPC damage that was predictable, uh, but you never used it to PVP. Uh, and then when the Titan lost its ability to wipe them off the grid with its doomsday device, that was an area of damage. All of a sudden the Drake started to come back as a, you know, a viable ship to use again. Uh, and it lasted for a long time. And then, uh, uh, that's where that meme came. Can I bring my Drake? Because everybody could afford a Drake kind of thing and instead of a battleship or whatever. Uh, so anyway, it's interesting to see these ships kind of come and go. It's been going on a long, long time. So the Ferox but is still going to be a mainstay. I, so? I mean, it's still, oh, it's still really incredibly powerful. You, What this change basically does is the CPU change is more or less meaningless. Um, the power grid is the one that actually kind of matters. If you want to still fly the ship as is, you have to drop one of your meg stabs and put on a power diagnostics, and the, st the thing still fits just as it was before. So it's still going to be in a place where it's very highly competitive for the projection you get in the battle cruiser range. Um, mm. That was given um, when they increased all the battle cruisers combined with a 10% optimal bonus or optimal bonus per level. It just hits out so far that it's going to continue to be the mainstay uh, of that ship class. Well, so any T1 ship is something you can just produce with minerals and a blueprint. Uh, so those can be mass produced without having to depend on market. But when you get into faction ships, those require a blueprint that you have to hunt for. And therefore, that market can be squeezed by an opponent, let's say. Uh, same with the Navy factions, if I'm not mistaken. Those rely on um, not only minerals, but uh, your faction points that you have to sell off. Um, so it, yeah, T1 ships are probably going to be the core of a lot of fleets, uh, for a while. And maybe the specialized ships like the Mercurial start to go away as the, uh, and T2 actually has gotten very expensive since the moon mining has changed. Uh, you guys have noticed that, right? Uh, yeah, I, my, my hacks won't be effective, uh, in large scale gangs because battle cruisers are simply cheaper and do everything they can do pretty much. Right. I looked at that and thought T2 must go up because moon minerals are going to be harder to mine and bought up a bunch of jump freighters at about six, no, about seven billion per jump freighter. They are now worth 13 billion. And that oh, was, only, yeah, a few, few <laughs> years, a few months ago. So, uh, because they take so many mineral, uh, T2 moon minerals and stuff, how could they not go up in price? So that was a logistic, that was just a logical conclusion. Uh, but look at all T2 items uh, across the board. Look at all T2 ships. Sabers are 100 mil right now. What is? A sabers. Saber. 
Oh, sabers, a hundred. A sabers, a hundred mil. Wow. What were they usually? What were they usually? I like I paid fifty five for them like oh, a couple yeah. months ago. Wow. We knew that it was, was going to ripple in. I think this show had been warning people. T two is going to go up. It's going to ripple in. You know, get your hands on either Moon Minerals and pr- control your own production line, or buy up you know stocks now because those are going to go up, and that's just it's just naturally happening. I know. Uh, okay. Our producer, Kunmi, uh, he builds a lot of T2 ships and he built a couple hundred Munins and Zealots and they sold instantly in Jeddah for like 400 mil each. Oh, nice. Wow. Okay, this monitor ship, uh, FC's in here. What do you guys think of that? Uh, it isn't a good ship. It isn't a good ship, says Jay, right? I've been trying to look oh, for a use case for any of these ships. I mean, no. or specifically the monitor. I mean, I've tried to go over like any major balance change that will actually affect me and try to test it on CC to see how it'll apply or change. Uh, the monitor, I'm trying to find a use case for it. I mean, for armor, there's still the damnation or the legion, depending on what you're doing. So there's no reason to use it there for shield. There's just simply better options. I think maybe the only thing I've possibly come up with is um, in a Serb fleet with maybe like low grade snakes. And that's about it. Uh, one thing I would like to change to it is um, a lot of the, they he has his uh, ESP is split between shield and armor. So uh, if you do an armor fleet, only half the ESP is in armor to wrap you. So one thing they might want to do with it to get it used is to make it like a tech tree destroyer. And before you undock, you select if you want to be it in shield monitor or an armor monitor, or even for the special snowflakes and hull monitor. Uh, and uh, structure monitor, and then you might get some more use out of it, but I don't see it getting used that much. I mean, it will be used a lot in mid-sized gangs, but not in think? large fights. Yeah, yeah I think like... in mid-sized, mid-sized gangs like you know, 100 versus 100, just because the FC doesn't want to, uh, specifically newer FCs don't want the uh, the fear of being headshot, I think. Plus, the log- you'll probably have weaker logistics in that yeah. situation. So, Right, but in those kind of situations, Jay, what would you fly the monitor instead of the... Well, yeah, that's the thing. So in, in those medium-sized gangs, uh, as an FC, you would normally fly like a Vulture with links or like a, an, an Absolution with links or something like that. So you're, you're taking away from the fleet, uh, where, in a fleet where every, every member has a role and has, you know, is useful. Um, you're essentially flying a useless ship just so you can be on field. And and that's the thing I just don't get about it at all. Like, so every every single ship in the EV ecosphere at the moment has some form of purpose. It has a niche to fill. It has sort of an idea. Those purposes may be yes, useful than others. Fine, um, but you know, you you can look at a ship and go, this is its defined role, and the monitor just just comes out of the blue. It just is a ship that's there that's saying that. Oh, FCs can use this. But I'm looking at it, I'm going, but there are other ships that can do the job just as well and perform functions that FCs want. Um, It can give, you know, you can use command ships and gives boosts. Why are CCP not just expanding the range of command ships? This was requested, though. I mean, the the CCP didn't dream this up. It was heavily requested. By whom? I can't remember who said it, but um, <laughs> a lot of people uh, have said that like the streamers want it, like the people that run public fleets. 
and well, stream it. Those are the people that will use it the most. Well, and that's and that's a good it's a good example because they don't have a second person that can step up and take over the fleet or reliable logistics. When those guys get headshotted, the whole the whole evening's over uh, for them, unless they're flying an alt as well, and then they can secretly you know FC with that. There, there must be other situations that people need this ship for. And maybe it's not for NullSec and, and big fights. And maybe it's not even for Romes. But there must be other situations. Or why else would they have invented it? I mean, CCP doesn't sit there and say, let's let's just make an answer for something that doesn't have a question. Anyway, well, so we'll leave that. has been asking for a ship like this for a while. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the way they've implemented it and, and how badly it's gone, um, we'd rather why have nothing. Got- well, I mean, why haven't they just not taken the the command range of ships, uh, introduced? A, I mean, I think T three cruisers can do a command ship still. Um, why just they have they not done that and tweak those to make them more functionally useful? Well, the only thing I can think of is this: this is and this was announced. This is the first of its type. There will be other types, since maybe considered a flagship. So maybe its purpose is to. Uh, become some capture the flag mechanism. Like that's a total like fiction there, but just I'm brainstorming that it could be it could have a purpose in the future that doesn't have yet because the mechanics for it aren't there yet. Maybe it links into entosising or something like that. I don't know, but maybe there's they're going to evolve it into something else, which is surprising because they say like this is our first step into this arena. Can't wait for the uh, unkillable flag titan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It could it could change gameplay uh, in in a way that that is beneficial. Who knows how how it gets used? But um, we're running out of time here. And is there anything else we want to talk about those ships, moderator? Do we? Uh, you're going to write another article about these balance changes too, right? Yeah, kind of a, a more or less a summary of what's going on and how I think it'll actually get applied to Eve. Munin, um, it's still a ship that's got four mids. Probably not going to get used. It's going to have to have a rebalance with hacks. Um, Eagle, still not going to be great. The Tangu still exists and does its role better. Cyclone's still going to be a solo PvP ship. Drake Navy finally gets to fit a command link. Uh, Macariel, fit another tracking computer to fit, uh, to compensate for the loss of falloff. The Orthrus is finally getting nerfed, which has been long overdue. There's some ridiculous fits that you used to be able to do that no longer work because you just don't have the power grid anymore. Good. And so if people want more information on your uh, observations, where can they find that? So I'm going to be putting up a blog post on my uh, site that's a WordPress blog called In Moderation. And uh, those will be coming out in... The first one is going to be out in the next couple of days. The next one after that might be about a week. So you're in, you're in Stuff Now more, don't you? So you can get stuff put on tie then if you wanted? It's a, it's a, it's a consideration. <laughs> there you go. I'm doing your recruitment pitch for you, Matt. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, so thanks um, for going through the ships with us. Uh, that wraps up the balance changes. They're coming in March, so look for these to actually happen uh, sometime in March, probably the middle. And, uh, and then we, uh, you know, we shall see probably don't have enough time or a little bit over now about this ramp, uh, the, sorry, the rant that I was going to go on about missing us CCP Torfi's uh, vision of Eve online, which is what he used to deliver a lot of, uh, since he was the creative director and overall, um, 
artistic mind behind the way it looked and felt and uh, exi- how it creeped up on you uh, and that sort of stuff. And maybe we'll just do a show on it and maybe uh, have more time to talk about it and stuff like that. But I will point to one example. And if you look at Link's channel inside of the TIS Discord, and I'll put a link for these people in there and also in the show notes, if you can get there, you can see that there's the video of the latest trailer that CCP did for, I think it was FanFest, where they showed uh, Capsuleer being born into his ship and then how he ventures through the universe. And there was uh, a neat little behind the scenes uh, for how that was made. And uh, CCP Ghost had a presentation about new players. And so he was able to show um, how that video, you know, was done. And he showed the rough draft. The thing was, the rough draft was was great. The rough draft worked. Uh, And and I was trying to figure out why I like the rough draft better than the actual final piece. And I was, after looking at it for a while, I thought, well, this feels a lot more science fiction-y. There's a lot more of the beginning where they're putting together the capsuleer and and then they merge them to the ship and there's a lot less of the ship you know being merged uh, and then when they venture through the galaxy it just seems like every place is remote and foreign and different uh, and then when they did the final it seemed like a lot more was unified things looked the same it just had different colors and so i think but it was more visceral so i think what's what happened is that without torfi that um the more of the RPG element or the the pen and paper, the imagination game has been sacrificed for the visual uh, visceral game, which is the, you know, where video games are these days with PUBG and with, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Dio, is it Dio? Uh, LOL and those kinds of games. I feel like, it, you know, on one level, Eve is a game. It's an arcade game, basically. It's becoming more of an arcade game and less of uh, a mindfuck game where, the world is twisted and things are dark and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I kind of lament that. So that's what that rant was. I think uh, Torfi kind of, when he used to name modules, they weren't named ample this, they weren't called Dick that, you know, there wasn't any of this, the, what I consider the community stupidity seeping into the game. So you could stay with your immersive. If you wanted to be immersed in this universe, you could stay with that without feeling the ridiculous nature of some of the players. Um, But they're letting that in quite a bit now, or at least it kind of feels that way. It's always been a funny place. It's always had character, uh, but I do I do feel like uh, with pink skins, with uh, seasonal elements and stuff like that that some players latch on to, uh, it really kind of drives some players to realize it's just a game. There's my Mickey Rooney moment or whatever it is. Who disagrees with me? I want my fire skins though. Okay. Disagree <laughs> <laughs> right. in the skins because I like multicolor skins, but. That trailer, when I saw, like, I, I was looking through the show notes and I saw the link of the trailer that they just showed on the stream. And I was like, oh my God, this thing is amazing. <laughs> this is so good. It was really dark and gritty. And and I just thought that was a great trailer And in comparison to it. So I agree with you on that. Oh, you're talking about the rough draft. Yeah, it was really gritty. Mm. Everyone, everyone used to get real hyped up for the trailers. And now it's just sort of like, uh, oh, another trailer. Cool. Exactly. Oh. That's the other rant is that so much is leaking out these days that Tiberius and I talked about this. I don't know if they do it on purpose to keep players interested, to give them a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and keep everybody kind of engaged. But I feel like they are blowing all their surprises by letting players data mine all the stuff that's coming out. The best trailer we had recently was the 
the Citadel's one for when Citadel yeah, was first good. introduced. That was pretty mm. good. What now when we see something, it's like, yeah, that's old news. I saw that like two months ago, three months ago. For... If you look on the CCP or EVE Online YouTube channel and you look at the most viewed videos, it is definitely skewed very, very heavily toward the top viewed videos being the trailers from five plus years ago uh, where you've yeah. got um, they're just more thematically much more uh, dark and heavy. So I can see that being um, appealing. There's a lot of kind of uh, mystery or um, war elements going on there that were uh, excellently uh, directed and voice acted. Yeah. Like uh, the, the Prophecies trailer, which was my last favorite one. Um, of seeing right. all the ships coming in and, you know, the now lost vision of uh, Valkyrie and Dust and all this sort of stuff uh, going on as well. That that got me pumped and hyped for whatever was going to happen. Citadel did as well, but not as much to that extent. And I think in the last year or so, no, not at all. Well, and that's why I, I wind this all back to Torfi because he was the guy that kind of got us pumped up about these things like his vision about what the universe was like even his twisted sense of humor uh and that kind of stuff so for me that you know that may that may it, we may have crossed that rubicon a long time ago okay um yeah if you want to see those videos we'll post them in the links inside of tis discord we'll also put them in the show notes here uh, we have a new website thanks to kaskora uh, and that is uh, talkinginstations.com uh, you can find this show and back issues uh, for the last two years on that website. And uh, we are busily trying to figure out all the little features that might make it more helpful for you guys uh, to get more talking in stations. All right. So in the coming weeks, on March 11th, we're going to meet with Wind Spirits, who is the CEO of Fraternity. He also started Pango Coalition. Very interesting. The rise of the Chinese block. That's what we'll cover there. Uh, the week after that, on the 18th, we will have CCP Team Tech and talk about ESO, uh, basically your API. When you give it to somebody, what does that mean they can do? Uh, so, uh, yeah, so look look out for that one. That's on the 18th. And April 1st, we will talk with um, Ghost Legion and talk about what the future of those citadels are uh, that were put up by NETC. Uh, and now let's go to meetups. Tiberius, what do you got? Oh, we got. So, of course, this time of year is Australian prime time. So there's plenty of meets in, in Australia going on. Uh, on the 9th of March, there is a meet in Adelaide, Australia, uh, at the Belgian Beer Cafe. Uh, that's from 6 p.m. Go check that one out. Uh, Toronto in Canada, they are meeting up again for their uh, monthly meet. Uh, that's the Jack Astor on John uh, in Toronto. Go check that one out. Uh, we got the G Fleet Dusseldorf Stack. I'm not going to pronounce that. It's in German. I'm going to fail. <laughs> uh, at Bar 95 in Dusseldorf. Uh, go have a look at that one. Um, and then there seems to be a couple of meets now, of course, now that we're getting into FanFest season in the next month. There are a whole bunch of meetups being planned up for FanFest. So uh, there's one already uh, in there. It looks like at the Bruggen Brew House, which is a great bar in the basement of CCP's place. The beer is outrageously expensive, but it is a good place to go to. Uh, looks like some German meetup that is going on there. Uh, we got Detroit on the 20th of April at the uh, Imperial. Uh, that's Eve Detroit, 2018, uh, 20th of April. And last, I think that is everything we've got for the next month or so. 
So go check those out. Um, and of course, keep an eye on uh, evemeet.net for stuff that's happening uh, during FanFest as well, because there'll be a lot of breakout meets that go on outside of the event as well. One more for us. Uh, Eve, uh, San Diego, California is having our monthly meetup on Thursday, March 15th at Kaminsky's, Gar- Kaminsky's Barbecue in Poway, as we always do. There you go. Right. Uh, thanks to our producer, McLeod, for putting the show together for us and showing us all the neat images as we go through this. Thanks uh, very much for our guest today. Uh, Apple Pear, thank you. Duncan, McLean, thank you very much. Jay Amazingness, always nice to have you on. And uh, Moderator, thanks for coming on. We'll look forward to reading your articles. Uh, I think this was my first TIS. So oh. My cherry. So. Yeah, I talk to you all the time. I talk to you on different things, so it seems like... I don't talk to you all the time. I talk to you on different things, so it seems like you've been on before. But it's good. We'll have you on again. Thank you to Slayer X for subscribing. For Skeptic Nerd Guy for subscribing 37 months in a row. 37 uh, months. 37 Thank you to Riddicus, who also subscribed. Awesome. And uh, again, thanks uh, to supporters through the Patreon. You can find that on TalkingInStations.com as well. Join our Discord. Again, TalkingInStations.com. Uh, and I think that's all we have this uh, this week. So Thank you to, Scor- to Kaskora, our webmaster, and to McLeod, our producer. Absolutely. For us here at Talking In Stations, that's all we got this week. We will see you next week on Talking In Stations. <laughs>